0: Hello, and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen show. We're now in season four of the 100 masked men series, where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about masculinity, sex and relationships, and how that contributes to our self worth. This week's theme is all about the importance of communication. Masked man number 90 is the question of the day. He creates videos on a thoughtful question of the day to encourage more meaningful conversations. This man comes from a background in restorative justice, and a lot of his work is around developing better relationships through strong and clear communication. In this episode, we talk about what respect means, and that it's typically thought of as something you can benefit from the other person, rather than something you just give for the sake of it. We talk about how to raise better young men and to move away from the drill sergeant intimidation technique and instead giving compassion and meeting people where they are. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: By trade, I am a facilitator. I get to uh, help people build relationships for schools, companies, nonprofits, youth, um, all that fun stuff. But then also, um, I'm a conflict mediator, so I come in. The tools that I use are from a thing called restorative justice, which is a framework and philosophy about community building and community and justice. And what I personally believe from my learning and my experience is that when you have a healthy foundation of a relationship in the beginning, it's easier and you have the practices and the tools and confidence, usually in the tools to repair back to something like repair or restore to what restore back to me being my best self. And us being as well as we can to each other in a relationship. And then uh, my father passed away on Christmas of uh, 2020. And it kind of woke me up and was like, hey, what do I want to do in my life? And what fingerprints or footprints do I want to leave behind? And how do I want to impact strangers, but also my children to be able to come behind and see my face and listen to my I was like, yeah, question of the day. And if. The things that happen in real life happen on TikTok or the internet. That'd be cool. So, one of the things that happens is that people get to know each other better, or they learn something about themselves, or they make stronger connections where there was already a, a light connection. I'm like, man. Nah, yeah. And I just did it every day.
0: Nice. How many, how many days have you done it for now?
1: I don't know. Uh, since January 9th, I, I try not to count the details I get. Crazy and analytics. So I stay away from that. But January 9th, I started and I posted every day.
0: That's amazing. So you're almost at a year. You're like three quarters of the way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I'm at too Mm -hmm. in in starting the 100 Men. And I think, I mean, the pandemic and, and the loss of a lot of things, you know, whether that's a loss of a relationship, a person in your life, you know, a concept of what reality was before that time, I think has really forced us to change our perspective on what makes a meaningful relationship. So you mentioned a lot about creating a foundation. And if you have a strong foundation, I see that like in terms of architecture, if you have a strong foundation, then if there's any, any things that kind of wear and tear basically in in a, in a building you can fix. So how does someone create a solid foundation because that's what you need in the beginning and how long does that actually take if there is a duration
1: yeah i I think it could be quick but it could also take forever it depends on the people it depends on the traumas it depends on their vulnerabilities Uh, depends on their resilience what does it take it takes vulnerable sharing and empathetic listening it takes practice it takes truth telling it takes light conversation and it takes some like Whoa! Thank you for sharing that. Or, wow! Thank you for respecting that truth that I don't really tell people sometimes, or that I'm uncomfortable sharing. Those things, the fun, excited to answer those questions or talk about those things, are important. But also the, that was kind of tough. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to talk about that today. I didn't know how this was going to go. Those type of things build the foundation.
0: And I, I enjoy that. I. I think that's why I like these interviews so much because it is unscripted and there's nothing to prepare for except to be in your authentic self. And I think that's really challenging. And I've noticed that there's been a trend of men creating men's groups or just safe spaces to start to talk about anything that's not the traditional guy stuff to talk about, like locker room stuff. And this is my question. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but my experience being a woman speaking to other men that are trying to tap into their vulnerability that are reading Brené Brown, that are engaging in these conversations with other men are slowly trying to open up with me, which is great. And I think um, it's made me realize how much women have really been holding that emotional support system for men for a really long time. And now hopefully men can lean on their own peers for that. But once you enter a relationship with somebody, I think that's when you truly are tested on your insecurities and your vulnerabilities rather than just speaking about it and working on it in your own comfort zone with you and your peers. So I kind of, I hit a disconnect in that sense when I meet other guys and I get into a relationship with them. And then that kind of doesn't work out anymore because I thought that they were doing the work and then they were maybe healed. They were um, happy to talk about everything, but once you're in the relationship, that test changes. So what would your advice be or what's your perspective when you enter a relationship and you want to apply all of these learnings that you've had? And does it work? Or is there anything else that um, that you would suggest on, on changing about your your own methods?
1: I like to use the maybe the metaphor of Communication and relationship is an art, but it's also like a sport. And no matter how much I value the art or value the sport, like Michael Jordan's right here, if I am not prepared to play Michael Jordan and compete and deal with what he brings at his skill set level, it doesn't matter if I was the best on that team over there. It doesn't matter if uh, I've watched basketball my whole life. Me playing him at his skill set, at his level of competitiveness, his, his gifts that he naturally has, is going to require or show how much work I've done on my own. Have I been eating right? Have I been working out? Have I been dealing with my own emotions? Like when things don't go well, what do I do? When someone plays me a certain way, what do I do? Same thing with the art of communication. I say that to say, we're talking about romantic relationship, male, female, but it could be any aspect of your identity. It could be sexual orientation. It could be uh, race. It could be age group. I think everyone needs to have their circle. I believe in circles. So me having a circle of males, a circle of people that are not my romantic partner, that are not my family, that are not my business partners, Me having a person, like a therapist or somebody I can bounce ideas off and they go, it sounds like this is what's going on. Or it reminds me of the time you told me of this. What do you think about this? So that when I do go to my relationship or my, my children or my students or my business partner or whatever, I have other perspectives and thoughts and practices communicating and encouragement that communicating works so that it works better. Same thing with the sport. If I've never shot enough shots, I've never jumped enough, I've never ran enough, this relationship, this opportunity, this game is going to not go so well. So what I find is there are men's spaces, like the barbershop, the, the locker room is what you mentioned. Uh, there's spaces where men talk and they could be deep about a subject, but they're not deep about all subjects. I definitely believe that men need more spaces where they can be safe, they can be their full self, they can be challenged and pushed in a way that makes sense for them and their culture or their personalities. So that it's a more fit or healthy or confident person when they go to their romantic relationship.
0: So this is my challenge. I mean, I hear you on that, but I also think that a lot of men are eager to enter a relationship because You can't just do all of the work by yourself. And if you're not ready yet, you know, you might as well jump in into this relationship and challenge yourself and, and, um, see how much you can grow out of it. What I don't like about that is women end up becoming experiments, you know, whether that is now emotional experiments before they might've been more physical experiments. I think that adds a new layer of, of toxic behavior that I wasn't prepared for. So what are your thoughts? on that desire? Because yeah, of course, everyone wants to engage in relationships because that's how you're going to grow. But at the same time, how do you manage whether or not you're actually ready to do it? And how do you maintain respect to the other person?
1: Good question. It it reminds me of my high school son. I've told him in middle school and elementary school, it's cool to be friends. And I would never tell him he's not in love. I would never tell him, hey, you know, that girl that you think you like and that you feel like you love and that you want to be with forever. That's wrong. I would never tell him that. But I encourage him to slow down and just be friends first. Why? Because there's some things that him and his puppy love young adolescent energy, he's getting into a relationship because he loves her and he wants to give her the world or because she makes him feel. But he doesn't know the right questions. He doesn't know enough about himself yet. He doesn't know enough about relationships yet to even all the way know what he wants or doesn't want or needs or doesn't need or what he should do or not do. He's going to learn and some of it comes from the mistakes. Some of it comes from the hard stuff, hurt feelings, having your feelings hurt. It's the same thing with adults. It's the same thing with myself at 40 years old. The relationship is the gym that we learn about our strengths and our weaknesses and our reactions and our responses and We get to practice, oh, I read this book, I heard this podcast, my friend told me this is what they did and this is how it happened and this is how it helped. That is the place because even if you're the bomb, you gotta be the bomb at picking a person that's also the bomb. And how rare would it be for me to be able to pick a person that's good for me at all the levels and we're on the same level in all the things that are in a relationship, right? Emotionally, sexually, uh, financially, family direction, living situation, emotional stuff, like somebody gonna be on up, someone's gonna be on down or we're both gonna be up or both be down in certain areas, but then we all grow. What I find is that women have so many places that they get to grow and they're planted and flourished and watered and and fed to grow. And men are programmed to just be protect, provide, be the same, don't be emotional so how can he be the emotional thing that he can't that's not he might not even be good at the financial thing (laughs) you know what i mean but that that's part of the challenge so vulnerability for me is like i'm going to lift my arms and expose the vulnerable spots that are going to hurt it sounds like there are places where women are in unsafe and dangerous spaces because of the vulnerability of partnering up with people and i can see that as well i think that men have a lot of work that we need to do but i think we all do including what helps us decide to be in a partnership or a relationship with someone? Does this person have the capacity to care for me, love for me, and serve me the way that I want to serve them and that I think I need to be served?
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's two avenues that I typically get from being a woman and other women's stories. It's either someone rejects being vulnerable, like another man rejects being vulnerable because he's afraid that she's going to use it against him as a tool, right? As like something... The other one is because she is so vulnerable and nurturing and emotionally available. He feels this innate guilt that he can't reciprocate the same level of vulnerability. So he runs out. So it's kind of like, it's either the fear of this person has too much ammo over me, or it's the, I can't reach this person's high standard. Like, I don't know what would you say, how do we get around away from that? Those are my two two things that I've observed. I don't know if you've seen any other themes, but those are the main ones, and I'm just curious where they came from those ideas
1: I think it's fear a fear of failure, a fear of not being enough a fear I'd rather quit than fail. I'd rather walk out on my own terms in this job or this relationship or this project than to look and feel like a fool, and then all the things that come with that or Have you ever been, like, to a pool? Like, I'm not a good swimmer. Have you ever been to a pool and saw people, like, having the most fun in the world and then see other people who would just never get in the water? Yeah. They're there. They're close. They're at the right location. They're just not going to play or swim or wade or splash. Like, the other. it's like something is not – even though you're good and you're safe and you're having fun, I'll just stay over here. I'll just put my ankles in or my knees, shins in the water. I'm just sit when I'm not going to get in the water. Or been around a bunch of beautiful people and you're like, I think I'm in the wrong room. (laughs) This is the room of the beautiful people. This is the room of the cool people. Same thing happens with communication. Like, the intimidation. Oh, I I can't compete here. I would never put on a jersey and play this guy, especially if there is something to lose. Like money or Pride or being embarrassed or like that guy is one of the greatest at the world. And if I see you like one of the best I've ever seen, and I don't want to burden you with teaching me your magical Jedi ways of communication, I probably am gonna bow out because you're so good and I'm so not good. You need a better person.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that's the thought process. I think with women in in our communities, like I think we've been taught to be competitive with each other. Like there can only be one woman that that's on top. And I think that's a very male centric idea that was imprinted on us, but women try to help each other up all the time. And whenever somebody's nervous, like that won't go into the pool, like women will help each other figure that out in a, in a very emotionally supportive way. So I'm just curious as to what would the, ideal tactic be to help a guy be more open about that? Because clearly the, the female tactics aren't working because it's like, oh, it's all, it's all good. It's safe. Like I'll walk you down the steps of the pool with you. You know, no man is like, I don't want you to hold my hand and walk me down the steps to, to you know, to get into this pool. So what would be an optimal way that a man can feel still like a man? you know, not emasculated, not like, oh my God, this girl's doing everything for me. Like I have to sit in her shadow or, you know, whatever fear of failure, fear of anything, a fear of just being less than or not enough or not desirable. Right. Like, cause I don't think right now we can change that perspective in every man, but at least we can change the behaviors or the tactics, at least that women are using or that men are using.
1: Yeah. I think it's easier to raise healthy young men than to fix grown men. I think it's a better strategy, better use of tools. I think we do need tools to support adult men, but like myself in schools, like I'm in an office at a school working in a district. This is one of the many contracts that I do. Normalizing conversations for young boys to talk and sit and see each other, find out what we have in common, you know, break bread, laugh, play, move around, but talk too. Like we're gonna normalize talking in here. And sharing opinions and seeing that it's actually okay to disagree but it's also really cool to learn from what somebody else said you didn't know that quiet kid had that you didn't know the cool kid also was holding this you didn't know this person that looks and shows up like this and i could show you a little bit more of myself i could pull back the onion a little bit those young men are more likely to communicate to whoever what i found with those young men and those male spaces i could do a camp for boys and men of color in california uh, we've been doing it for eight years pre-COVID. We're planning on figuring out a way to do it again afterwards. So we take them up to the mountains for seven days, out of the hoods of California, uh, Long Beach, LA, Sacramento, Fresno, all the hoods, like Oakland, Stockton, uh, uh, Salinas, Bakersfield, like Coachella Valley. Like We have youth of all colors, all walks of life, LGBT, all that, right? We get up there, and we we get to play, we get to see each other, we get to connect and talk and hear each other. We have elders that come from different traditions—black, Latino, Indigenous, uh, Asian, Polynesian—and they bring in their healing tools. They're telling their stories. They're giving us younger men and our young elders story and game, right? And it makes it cool because it's all men up there, mostly. Like you know, we have some of the non-binary, and we also have some women who come up. Uh, to break bread with us and share, those young men are more likely to be able to communicate as a dad, a brother, a son, an uh, uh, employee, an entrepreneur, a community member, an athlete, or, uh, whatever they are, they're more likely to communicate because they've been in the spaces of communication.
0: And I, and I see that for the new generation. Like anyone that I've interviewed that's 25 or under, they're totally open and ask more questions. But for those that might have the mentality of, well, this is my experience and out of my experience, it's always been this way. So that it must be the fact, you know, how do we break away from, from that mentality? And do you have friends other male colleagues that still think that way? And how do you open up those communication channels to help them have a different perspective?
1: Yeah. I think it's like changing any perspective, politics, religion, finances, ways of life, uh dress code, like, you know, um, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm here to understand your mind. And by leaning in with compassion and empathy to understand the story and the person behind the story, there are places that change can happen. Uh, Usually that comes through modeling and connecting on core values, respect, love, understanding. Yeah. They're more likely to, to shift and change with mentorship, modeling, understanding, respect, that kind of stuff. Anyone can change. I've changed. I'm changing. But the environment for change, the ingredients for change need to be there. And you cannot change a man without the right ingredients and environment. And if a man doesn't feel safe, he's not going to change. It's the same way with you and your physical safety usually. If you don't feel safe, what happens to your body? What does your brain go? What does your body do? Same thing with emotions with me.
0: Do you have a personal example of when you had a perspective shift that made you have more respect for someone else in your life after they introduced you to a different perspective? Or maybe you went on a journey somewhere and it opened your mind for just a different way of looking at the way you interact personally with people?
1: Yeah, a great student. I had like the highest GPA as of one of the boys at the high school, like higher than a 4.0, like 4.6. I had a different color robe. Um, I wasn't the kind of kid that would need a bunch of threatens or trouble threatening type stuff, punishment stuff. But I respected the football coach drill sergeant kind of energy. Uh, if you're bigger and better than me and you can intimidate me into thinking that I should do this and not do that, that worked for me. Restorative justice taught me that that's a flawed tool. Because what, what do you have left where the kid doesn't care about your threat? So yeah, suspend me, expel me, call the cops, call my mom, take away my stuff. I don't care and F you for that. Actually, I'm about to make your life hell because you can't get rid of me because I live in this community. I know where your school workspace is. I know where you park your car. I know, like I can make this terrible for you and you trying to use force and power and intimidation doesn't get me so that idea challenged me right so i said huh that is very smart so i picked up the well what other tools do you have in the toolbox or relationship understanding there was a young hoopa uh native indigenous tribe in uh our camp they had sent some young men and they don't care about western rules they don't like western time they don't like western class they don't like western systems you're like this is stupid and it's wrong we should be outside i'm going up that mountain. i want to go climb that mountain right now without permission i don't need your permission the universe and the earth has given me permission i gave me permission i'm about to go up there and do what i wanted to meanwhile we're tasked with keeping them safe and knowing where they are and returning them home and uh i couldn't intimidate that kid to following rules He's like, what are you going to do? Call the cops? Kick me out? And the only thing that held him was respectful, loving relationships, including mine, with him. That's how he came off the mountain. They came to dinner, was compromised, and asking questions, and connecting, and he was like, well, if you go higher with me, I'll come down with you. So I had to climb the mountain with this young man, and it taught me so many things, but after that experience, we were tight. And if he didn't want to put his helmet on, on the ropes course, because he makes a ropes course in his backyard, at his house, I'm like, yeah, but I I need you to, because I'm gonna get in trouble. And he cared, because I care. That's just one example, right? Like, <laughs> I have a million of them, but that's one of my favorite ones.
0: Mm, I like that because yeah, I think the most dangerous person is someone that doesn't care because it doesn't matter. Like they ha- they have zero expectation of what the result out of this interaction is going to be. Right. And I think that they hold themselves with so much respect at that point that it gets really challenging. And the natural response is obviously going to be defense, right. Or some kind of aggression. And I think there's a little bit of a danger to how people are explaining what self-love is and detachment. Right, because it's like, oh, I don't need anyone, or I'll just just do things my way because it doesn't matter. Right, I'm the one that's in control of my life, and and all of this kind of stuff that we almost double isolate ourselves to a point of like our inability to to feel again or engage in a relationship again. Right. So has has that ever happened to you, where you were kind of like, there's no point to this. Like, I'll I'll just sit in my own yeah. space and and that's it.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah. It's, it's hard work. I'm I'm dealing with people. I'm dealing with people's thoughts, emotions, their frameworks, their conditions. There's a lot of reasons why it's hard. Um, and there are days where I'm like, man, saying, first of all, it's not enough money. <laughs> like, I'm not rich. Well, I'm doing all right. Because I go hard and I'm doing uh, really dope work and people are starting to recognize it. So I'm doing okay. But that's new. Like, I was broke food stamp, uh unemployment kind of broke. Uh borrowing money from friends and that kinda of broke. That plus the hard parts of this job, this work, um, made me go, I realize why there's not a lot of men here. I, I realize why men haven't decided to make this their vocation or their their practice because Oh yeah, I'm gonna go talk to the girl who needs a guy who has a car and has gas and can pay for the date, but also give her flowers sometimes. I can't afford food. <laughs> like, and I'm dealing with people who are crying and giving up and mad and fighting and scared and reacting and being mean to each other. And I don't have enough food. Like, like, yeah, there's a lot, a lot there. But I think, um, kind of connecting into the story with the young man at the mountain, it's like, who do I listen to? Who am I serving? Uh, He was serving himself. And it's was like, forget what you think, forget what the paper says, forget how y'all feel. I feel like climbing the mountain, right? I love that. He cares about how he feels and what he needs. Self-care looks like that sometimes to the point where it would hurt someone else, which is where it gets bad. But if I don't care about you, why would I care about you? So I care about myself, but I also care about people. And part of the reason why I'm happy with this work is because it makes me feel good to solve problems or help or watch people shift and grow and understand that, aha, I get it. I finally did it. I I love that. So that's why I haven't given up, but heck yeah, I've felt like giving up.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes you're just like, am I just something that people go through rather than you being the one that, learns from everything. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of that, that back seat that you're taking. Everyone wants to be in the front seat. Everyone wants to be the driver, right? That's, that's doing the stuff versus someone that's like receiving it, understanding it, processing it, and then creating some kind of knowledge or understanding of it. Do you have a story where, where you were challenged to develop better communication tactics with someone that was difficult?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. Um, some challenges are not easy to diagnose because there's mental health, there's disabilities and challenges and difference, um, especially in the school systems. Uh, what's bad about that is that after they get out of school, they're just people in the community. There's no special class, no special bus, no special resources. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, there's, there's times where I've seen people like melt and soften or open or aha, but it usually comes from the other person or myself modeling that, getting in the water first. The water's fine. You'll be fine. Come on in. Okay, you can sit right there. Okay, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to pull you in. And then maybe the end of the month. They're the one inviting people in and playing. But, you know, baby steps. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stories I could tell. I was thinking about a young man who has a a disability. And he softened up. But,
0: uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is the way I think of it. When a woman tries to introduce a man to something, you know, like try to get him to soften up you know, you've meet all of this resistance, right? When it's another man speaking to another man, and if he has that respect of that man, then he will soften up and kind of, you know, work with that man. So how does a man develop respect for another man? And can you translate that same respect towards a woman? Because right now, the way I think of it is men don't see women as a type of human to be respected, right? Like women are not seen in the same way. That's why men use different forms of currency to have them, right? Whether you buy them with power, money, force, whatever it is, right? So I think that's the biggest challenge in developing that respect for a type of human that you didn't have to have respect for before or like you don't look at them as an actual human. You look at them as something that you have, you know, that you take possession over. So how could someone that you literally buy offer you anything, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that mentality that I'm curious about, how would you be able to, to change that concept through communication? How do women do that to, to gain respect um, rather than demanding respect? Um, taking respect, you know, in an aggressive way or whatever the tactics are that are today?
1: I I think that what makes a man respect a man is power, something that I can benefit from, something that even if it's hard, it's going to be worth it. I value you. Um, I don't think that's the same as a person who, as a man or a human being that just respects all people. I respect all things. I respect all life. I respect the soil, the the waiter, the trash, per, the security guard. I don't just respect the cops and the presidents and the celebrity. I respect that's a different frame of mind, right? Um, and we all have these conditions. Uh, even in dating, like There are are women who might not respect me because of class or fame or body or race or neighborhood or dress attire when they see me. Or a woman might not feel respected or get respected because she's a woman or because of her body or because of her lifestyle or her career or her level of class or money or knowledge or degree. So the respect is the issue. I think what we all need to do is do a better job of respecting people that don't necessarily give us something that we benefit from or that we think we benefit from. Like, I just respect you. You have something to teach me. You have something to serve in the world. You have a purpose, you have gifts, you have story. And I respect you. I think part of the programming of a man as a leader is that he's supposed to be the teacher. He's supposed to be the person that's respected. He's supposed to be the introducer. So that stereotype, that bias, that framework causes men not to respect women, just like an adult doesn't respect a kid or a person with wealth might not respect a person who's not successful or not wealthy or not famous or not, like in this work, I don't have books, right? Like I, I read these books, I uh, go to conferences, I'm not, but I'm the bomb at what I do. Everybody in the room that's in the room with me go, wow, you need to have a da-da-da-da. So sometimes when I'm brought in by someone, the company goes, yeah, have him send over, have his people send over a deck. What articles have been written on him? What book? What TED Talk? And they're like, he don't got that. And he don't care about that. His website ain't even up. Like, you got to know him to know him. They're like, ah, we don't respect that. That's their fault. It's not not my fault because I'm not, Yay, I got a thousand followers and I got a book and I'm I'm not going that way. I just go here, right? Same thing with women. They should not go, well, I'm going to show you how to respect me. But the company does need to learn, oh, we only value degrees and doctorates and books and TED Talks. What does that do harmfully to what we could be benefiting from? A man, an adult, a person in power or privilege also have to go huh if this is what i think about who i should respect or who deserves space or microphone or salary or a chair what am i missing how is that harming me or what i believe is important those type of questions that type of conversation is how you shift it
0: yeah i love that it's more like what are the credentials that deem respect because you know, what are the credentials that deem success? You know, is it money? Is it status? You know, same thing with respect. And I think there's only a certain amount of examples that we all use as the standard for respect where that doesn't actually apply to most of our relationships with people.
1: There's also loss of respect in romantic relationships. Like I might respect you a lot when I'm trying to get to know you and like you and want you to like me, but once I'm with you, stuff happens or I'm with you now. And it's like, I don't respect you the same way. I, I might start taking you for granted. I might start disrespecting you or smushing you or pushing you or silencing you in ways that is disrespectful because I don't respect you.
0: Yeah. And I don't think any of that is intentional. You know, I think when people say that they respect others, I think they, they do. They just don't realize that they're unintentionally disrespecting people. And then I think, Nobody obviously wants to be told that they're being disrespectful, right? Because they're like, "How dare you say that?" Because clearly that feels that's not disrespectful. me. <laughs> exactly. So how would how do you communicate bad, not bad or just negative conversations when you're like, "Hey, listen, like what you said earlier was kind of disrespectful because of these reasons. I know you didn't mean to say it like that, but that's how it is said, and you know, I'd appreciate it if you change that next time or whatever. Like, how would you yeah. approach that in a better way?
1: Three tools, one is define what respect is for yourself and the other person. Um, My mama taught me is treating people the way that I wanna be treated, the golden rule that most societies are still using to this day. In my work, in my life, I practice the diamond or the platinum rule, which is treating other people the way they wanna be treated. Um, In your house, you might be cool with people walking around with their shoes on, but if that's not okay at my house, you should treat my house the way my house wants to be treated the way I want you to treat my stuff, me, that's one. Two, um, the traffic light, red light, yellow light, green light. Green light, everything's good. We're all great. Uh, Yellow light could get a little dangerous here, a little slow down. Yield is in yellow light, right? Uh, same thing with communication. If it's a yellow light, slow things down, let people know. We could be going towards a red. There could be some hurt, harm, or absolute stoppage coming up from here. Um, can we talk about it? Can we take a break? Can we? Can you answer some questions? Because I, I, I'm curious about something. And then absolute red light. Hold up. That word, that thing. But red light, ow. Whether you love me or not, it's a red light right now. Lastly, I think normalizing talks and check, checking in. Um, and the best way to start is pay a compliment and give some appreciation. And then after that, open the floor for anything that's still on your mind, still in your heart, still unresolved, still you have questions about, that maybe you want to talk with me about. If you use any of these tools, you are normalizing talking so that you can talk about respect. Normalizing a check-in, and the way that you start a check-in that I found that's really helpful is paying a compliment, a genuine compliment, try not to just make it be about physical beauty or appearance, but A genuine compliment, like good job for this, like appreciation and or mere affirmation. And the second side of it is appreciation. I appreciate you for or I I saw you this and I appreciate that. Uh, I I noticed this and I appreciate that. So compliment or affirmation and appreciation and then opening the floor to talk about anything that's on your heart or mind, something that's not resolved, something that you have questions still about that you still want to talk with me about. If we can normalize these type of conversations, we can talk about things that are disrespectful or respectful, but it's a little safer because it's not a place of battle. It's not a place of war, hopefully.
0: Okay, cool. I'm going to wrap up with a couple of questions um, before we go. I would like those those tactics. I think people would be uncomfortable though about doing check-ins, right? So what would be a good way to start to adopt check-ins as a normal thing to do rather than like usually it's a reactive thing like something after the fact like hey we should do a check-in because we need to talk right so something that's a little bit more proactive how would you bring that up in a relationship
1: have it normally in a set time or every seven days or whatever uh, we just sit down and we, we talk about everything like if you only have a, a conversation when things are bad saying I would love to talk to you later or I'm looking forward to talking to you later, sets panic in my heart. Like, I hate the we need to talk. But we do need to talk, and I like to talk. So if we just normalize talking, we're talking. <laughs> like, we don't have to just wait till there's a problem. So normalize just talking.
0: Okay. What do you think we're doing wrong with how we talk? Because I think a lot of the times we're talking at each other rather than talking with each other. So what would be a good way to create deeper conversations with people rather than just talking on a status level or a way to get your point across only?
1: Hmm. Um, Set up conversations to understand, not to um, hurt somebody, not to judge someone, not to change someone, but conversations where you listen to understand.
0: What is a pet peeve that you have when engaging in conversations with people?
1: In my personal experiences, um, when something that is not about them is now made about them, that's a big one. It's like I'm not even telling you my story for you to be hurt. Like I this ain't a, it happened to me. <laughs> Why are you where I leave like I shouldn't have told you? I shouldn't have talked to I should have kept that to myself. Um I think the the word is misunderstanding, like oh you just don't get it. Or you're not going to get it. This is not in your ability. You don't have the capacity. That misunderstanding is the thing that I don't like. I hate uh, feeling like I wasted my time or my breath or my energy talking. So I should, I think, well, maybe I should have never said anything.
0: I hate that. Yeah. When people um, make it all about them in a conversation. My last question to you is, is there any topics, thoughts, people that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on in another episode on the show.
1: I think the idea of trauma, trauma and romantic relationships, past heartbreak, past failed relationships, past harmful relationships. I would like for another man to talk about how that's affecting their future or their present.
0: Yeah. I think there's so much to do with trauma that we don't even realize that we're holding on to it so much and how much that goes into you know, not only how you think of yourself, but then how you think of yourself in a relationship, how you think of yourself in any type of interaction, right? Like everyone's against you or you're always against everyone. So yeah, trauma is a huge topic. Okay. Do we have any brave men willing to talk to me about trauma on the show? This is a huge topic. So in any way, if you want to talk about it, if you're still going through it, if you've gone through it, if you have just an opinion about it, anything let me know you know what to do make sure to subscribe and if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective slide into my dms at miss amanda Chan on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday with more episodes of the Hundred masked men